Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 9, The Parable of the Fig Tree. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we posted our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 8, The Arrival of the Son of Man, on July 24th. In that episode, we wanted to examine the issue of Christ's hidden return for his present church. We got our answer in an indirect way from the scripture we examined. The best answer is that there is little direct information on his hidden return before the Great Tribulation period. Not that there is none at all, but our Bible speaks more about his definitive return. In last week's episode, what we really found was more information speaking of his second coming at the end of the Great Tribulation period. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50-58, speaks most directly of a pre-tribulation ascension into heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in its entirety, gives us the greatest understanding of this subject. There are some parables that give us more information, but there is little direct information found. This is why some people make up information that is not in our Bibles. Yes, there is more sprinkled throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament. We even find references in the Old Testament. However, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, it speaks of Christ's resurrection. Verses 12 through 34 questions the resurrection. Verses 35 through 58 speak of the resurrection body that we will find ourselves in. The one that we... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 8, The Arrival of the Son of Man. This week, as my subtitle says, we will examine the parable of the fig tree. This is a story associated with a very real learning of Christ's coming for us. Christ used parables for people who may, for any reason, not understand what he had to say when he spoke more directly and succinctly. So, for better understanding across many levels of intellect, Jesus spoke in parables so more people of any education level would surely be capable of understanding his words. This week's parable states, in all three books, starting with Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35. Learn this parable from the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see all these things, know that he is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mark records Jesus' words this way in chapter 13, verses 28 through 31, which reads, Learn this parable from the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see these things happening, know that he is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Luke chapter 21, verses 29 through 33 reads, Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the other trees. When they sprout leaves, you see for yourselves and know that summer is now near. So also you, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. First, notice this possible issue. Jesus says in Matthew, in verse 32, Learn this parable from the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. In today's modern times, I have met people who believe this statement to be a contradiction. Jesus is describing a direct event that happens with a tree and says that it is how we will know summer is near. Actually, for us today, that is more truthful sounding than it was in Jesus' day. Yet, many people today see a conflict with Jesus' words. Would that preface understand that before spring was called spring, it was called Lent? in Old English, starting in the 14th century. That time of year was called springtime, a reference to plants springing from the ground. In the 15th century, this got shortened to springtime, with a hyphen, and then further shortened in the 16th century to just spring. Calling the season autumn first occurred in English in the 12th century though was a rarity, until around the 14th century. It then began to pick up steam and became common in the 16th century. About the same time, fall popped up as the name for the season. Before the season was autumn or fall in English, though, it was called harvest, from mentalfloss.com. This is why Scripture reads as it does as it records Jesus' words. In Jesus' day, what we call spring was actually called Lent. What we now call fall or autumn was called harvest. With that understanding, hopefully, you can see that Jesus and those in this passage lived in a time where spring and fall, or in some cases autumn, were not defined this way. In those days, it was Lent and harvest. Now, notice this. Matthew chapter 24, verse 34. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Mark chapter 13, verse 30. I tell you the truth. This generation will not pass away 
until all these things take place. In Luke chapter 21, verse 32, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Given the way each writer speaks, here again we see all three men speaking virtually identically. These three verses point directly to a specific generation of people on this earth. This specific generation of people will not pass away, or as we would say today, they will not die until all these things take place, quote unquote. Keep in mind, today, a generation timeline is ambiguously defined with more than one end. In Bible times, a generation was only 40 years. Also, what are, quote, all these things, end quote? The question we also need to ask is, are we seeing all these things happening now because we are that specific generation of people? Many would say yes. However, let us be a bit reserved in our observations of this passage and our world issues so we can truthfully see just what this passage is telling us. Our excitement can overrun what is really happening. This is due to our excitement helping us read into Scripture things that are not really what Scripture is truly telling us. So again, I will issue the warning that we need to be careful when examining Scripture this way. Are all these things, quote-unquote, listed in the above Scripture we studied last week? Using these books alone, we can see in the above Scripture the following list of things spoken of by Jesus to his disciples. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tells us what these things are as follows. 1. Watch out that no one misleads you. What is the reason for this that Christ says this first? He tells us why. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. Not a few, not some, but many. 2. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. What reasoning does Jesus give us for this comment? Make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen, but the end is still to come. 3. For nation will rise up in arms against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. 4. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Then, in all three books, we are told, in item 2, that the end is still to come, for it is not when all these things begin to happen. A present-day example. This summer, 2022, much of the northern hemisphere of the world is on fire. Some have been set by man deliberately or accidentally, and some by natural means like a lightning strike. These fires are an event we need to pay attention to because, even if they are not the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, they do provide us a window into Bible prophecy to be fulfilled at some future time in its completeness. After all, 
our Bibles tell us that the world will be consumed by fire in the same way it was flooded in the book of Genesis. Notice what will be left when this work is complete. The earth will stagger around like a drunk. It will sway back and forth like a hut in a windstorm. Its sin will weigh it down, and it will fall and never get up again. From Isaiah chapter 24, verse 20. Referring to our list above, items 1 and 2 came with reinforcing reasoning. Notice that Jesus' words say, Let no one mislead you, not some or even more specific people. Jesus says, Let no one mislead you. We can use our present-day world to define this better for us. In this practical world, we are aware of many issues of misleading falsehoods that take our money or even our identity. As a result, not all, but many people are aware of these issues. This is the same degree of watchfulness we are to have, at the very least, with regard to many who say they are religious people and or religious leaders when they are not. Only wanting some or even all of what we possess in our wallets, those religious-sounding and acting people, will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many because they are not who they say they are. Notice also, item two, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. What are the first words from Jesus' mouth that immediately follow? They are, make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen. Notice how Jesus tells those he is speaking to that they should not be alarmed. Today, for us, these are still good words. We need to keep our heads stay our emotional reaction to what we see and hear in these troubled times. Coronavirus, COVID-19, is not gone away. In fact, they are speaking of a new strain that is presently, at the time of this podcast, fully resistant to our present medication. Add to this the greatly growing issue of monkeypox. At this present time, Many agencies are considering calling monkeypox a new pandemic because of its growing global implications. Is monkeypox another birth pang? I, personally, would call coronavirus, COVID-19, a birth pang. However, monkeypox is still a benign disease in comparison. Thus, at this time, I would say monkeypox is not another birth pang yet, anyway. But I digress. Presently, another observation. Russia is attacking Ukraine. There are real issues with outside involvement. Many countries are giving to Ukraine, but what will be considered too much giving by these outside countries in Russia's way of thinking? What will these outside countries do if that line is considered crossed by Russia? 
This sounds like the igniter for the world war mentioned in the Bible that must occur before the Great Tribulation because it takes seven years to clean it up when it is over. However, we cannot assume this is that ignition point. We may find out that it will finally end in a way we cannot presently see. Or, it really could descend into that great end times war found in our Bibles. However, this is where we need to exercise caution in our interpreting what we see and or read and hear and how it does or how it does not fit Bible prophecy. The reality is that it may not fulfill any Bible prophecy despite what we see as the potential for it to do that. This is why this issue needs watching. Because right now, it is only a war that we are warned of as a sign that should remind us of Jesus' words further. Remember, he said, the end is still to come. What all these things we presently see happening should tell us is that we should realize the end is coming while not yet here. It is time for us to look up as Scripture says we should do. We will get new bodies when we are taken by Christ from this world. New sinless bodies that will last forever. Free of sickness and crippling issues that besiege our present earthly body. Those who today are deaf will hear again or for the first time. Those who are blind will see again or for the first time. All the ills of this world will, one day, no longer be a burden to God's children. Back to our list. Items 3 and 4 tell us Despite all things, this will get worse. More than wars and rumors of wars, it will deepen into nation will rise up in arms against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This means that the sporadic wars and rumors of wars become a more serious and real issue. So yes, Jesus' words tell us that things will get worse before the end comes. Then, Jesus tells us, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, quote-unquote. I think of these four items, this one right now is most obvious. Maybe not in its fulfillment, but still quite obvious to see. Lately around the world, in the past few years, we have seen several earthquakes of magnitude 7 or higher. We also know of global famine issues that our present global situation is only making worse because the cost of everything for everyone is rising to and beyond unacceptable levels. There are many who are misleading people today. The number of people misleading others is growing at a fairly quick rate, whether religious in nature or something else. So, what we may well be still waiting for, 
is items two and three to become bigger issues than they are right now. Even item one may need to increase more also. Thus, the reasoning why we need to constrain our excitement so we see this subject clearly and correctly. The verse we need to read and greatly understand reads, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What generation of people is Jesus speaking of? Till these things shall receive a full accomplishment, till events shall take place that shall be a complete fulfillment, if there were nothing farther intended. He does not mean to exclude here the reference to the judgment, but to say that the destruction of Jerusalem would be such as to make appropriate the words of the prediction, were there nothing beyond. So when death was threatened to Adam, the propriety of the threatening would have been seen, and the threatening would have been fulfilled, had men suffered only temporal death. At the same time, the threatening had a fullness of meaning that would cover also and justify eternal death in hell. Thus, the words of Christ describing the destruction of Jerusalem had a fullness of signification that would meet also the events of the judgment and whose meaning would not be filled up till the world was closed. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. Some hold that, quote, all things, end quote, in Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 33, refer only to what was said of the fall of Jerusalem, ending with Matthew chapter 24, verse 28. Others have contended that the phrase includes the second coming, but refers directly to the end of Jerusalem, which was a type of the end of the world. I believe, rather, that all these things, quote-unquote, embraces all thus far predicted, and that, quote, this generation, end quote, means the Jewish race, instead of only those then living. The Greek word, G-E-N-E-A, genia, I believe, so rendered, is used in the sense of, quote, race, end quote, in the Greek classics, and as examples of such use in the New Testament. Alfred points to Matthew chapter 12, verse 45, and Luke chapter 16, verse 8. Christ has described the awful end of the Jewish state after such a destruction and scattering of the remnant to the ends of the earth. All the examples of history would declare that the Jewish race would become extinct. Christ, however, declares that, contrary to all probability, it shall not pass away until he comes. They still exist, 1850 years after the prediction distinct, but without a country. From the People's New Testament, copyright 1891. Remember, in 1891, Israel was not recognized as a nation as it is now, 
Remember that with regard to this commentary passage from the People's New Testament commentary. So, where does all this leave us? After all, it seems I have not really studied this parable. This understanding is needed to properly interpret the parable. We also must see the main thrust of this parable. First, Jesus points to the obvious, regardless of how any man has marked the seasons, since summer has always been summer. Trees bud at all the same time before summer officially is marked as being in play. So, we should understand that, as certainly a bud occurs on many trees, it is our indication that summer is near. That understanding provides us with the capability to know what the heart of this parable is. So, also you, when you see all these things, know that he is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Verse 33 in Matthew chapter 24 says, When you see all these things, know that he is near, right at the door. So, the answer to the question we need is can we accurately see these things happening with any degree of understanding that allows us to believe wholeheartedly that we really do see all these things happening? Next week, we will examine the parable titled, The Parable of the Ten Virgins. This will give a look into what his coming for us will look like. The question to answer, does this scripture speak of his hidden return for us, his bride, or of his second coming to earth? Join us next week for our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 10, The Parable of the Ten Virgins. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or Follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, 
give our episode titled Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.